those of you have been uh, praying here, I certainly appreciate that. I have the dreaded, yes, it's worse even than childbearing, the man cold. <laughs> yes, it's horrible, horrible. Ask Cindy, poor Cindy's been taking care of me as I whine around the house and, and uh, tell her how terrible it really is. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. I shared the story with you all about five or six years ago. It's an illustration, and I, I, it's funny, and uh, I haven't talked, I haven't used it in a while, so I think I'll use it again. Uh, and uh, it's worth sharing again, I believe. There was a man who was bothered with continual ringing in his ears and bulging eyes and a flushed face. And over a period of three years, he went to the doctor after doctor after doctor. One took out his tonsils to fix the problem. One removed his appendix. Another pulled all of his teeth. Nothing seemed to help. He still had this ringing in his ears, his bulging eyes, and this face that was very flush. Finally, a doctor told him there was no hope. He only had about six months to live. So the poor fellow quit his job, decided to live it up on the time he had left. And uh, by living it up, he said, you know, I'm going to get myself a couple new suits here. So he went to the tailor and measured, and measured his neck and wrote down the size 16. The man corrected him, 15. He said, no, no. The, man, the tailor measured him again, no, 16. The man insisted, I've always worn a size 15 collar on these shirts. Taylor said, well, all right, but don't come back here complaining to me if you have ringing in your ears and bulging eyes and a flushed face. Sometimes the solutions to life's problems are simpler than we think. And our world has a incredibly, incredibly complex problems, wars, terrorism, famines, catastrophes. And people have complex problems too, some emotional, some physical, some family Sometimes we despair as we try to help others to deal with our own problems. And at times, the proposed solutions seem so complex that we aren't really sure how to implement the solutions that we come up with. But God provides a simple solution for all of the complex problems that we face in this world. It's a simple solution of the Savior, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. Now, some would scoff at such a simplistic solution, one that they would say, really doesn't work. That, there's no way that that would solve all of our problems. Others would say, well, that's a nice legend. That's harmless enough. But they would never consider it a serious solution to the significant problems that we face in this world. But God knows that the basic problem with this world is sin. Sin in the human race. And any solutions that leave out dealing with the sin problem are simplistic solutions. The only solution that offers true hope and help is that which takes into account the sinful hearts of people and offers a practical solution to that problem. And God's Christmas message to us offers such a solution. Matthew one twenty one: the Savior whose birth we celebrate was to be named Jesus, Yeshua, Jehovah saves, is what his name means. For he would save his people from their sins. Now, the Christmas story is told by Luke, especially the story of the shepherds who went to see the Lord Jesus on the night of his birth, reveals God's simple solution for man's complex problem is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Well, before we unpack the text, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, 
for all who are here today. Lord, we do pray for those in our midst who are working through some physical trials at the moment, Lord. I pray you would be with them and comfort them and encourage them. Father, here today, open our hearts and minds to your wonderful truth. May we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. May we apply this passage in a way to our lives that bring you honor and glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So let's, uh, hopefully you found your place there in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is well pleased. (coughs) The first thing we see that strikes us about this very familiar story is that the Christmas gospel is for simple people. The Christmas gospel is for simple people. Have you ever considered why the text does not read, Now there were in that same region scribes and Pharisees keeping watch over the scrolls and and, uh, dutifully tracking all of their religious rituals. Nor does it say they were in the same region, kings and princes keeping watch out over the palace. Instead, God chose to reveal the birth of the Savior to simple shepherds who were just doing their job. Why shepherds? Well, shepherds is actually the first profession mentioned in the Bible. Abel was the keeper of sheep, Genesis 4.2. Christ, later called the good shepherd, who leaves the 99 to find the one. But here we have these shepherds leaving their sheep to locate this one lamb, who just happens to be the Lamb of God. Is there any other profession that you can think of that would be more excited about a lamb being born? The fact that God chose simple shepherds to be the first to know of the birth of the Savior is even stranger by human standards because in Israel, shepherding was a lowly task. (coughs) Shepherds had not been schooled in the law, and thus they were considered ignorant. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. And according to one Jewish writer, shepherds were not trustworthy enough even to be used as witnesses. According to another, help was not to be offered to shepherds and or heathens. So why did God choose shepherds as the first to receive the angel's revelation about the Messiah's birth? Well, in the first place, God shows those shepherds to show that the gospel is for the simple, not the sophisticated. Because of that, the sophisticated and the scholarly sometimes miss the very simplistic truth of the gospel, don't they? They're looking too high. It's beneath them to stoop to the lowest shelf. So they miss what God offers freely to all. If it were any other way, men would boast about how they found God, how through their tremendous intellect they figured it all out. If the gospel were some complicated philosophy that required a super high IQ and years of study to grasp, 
that those who attain it would congratulate themselves on how much more intelligent they are than the rest of the population. And those who were illiterate or not as intellectually gifted as, as others would never have any hope for salvation. But the beauty of the good news about Christ is that it's first announced to these lowly shepherds. The ones that were never even considered good as witnesses. The ones that people despised and mocked and considered were the outcasts of society. They were ceremonially unclean. Most of them probably couldn't even read and write. They weren't exactly leadership material by today's standards. But God's love in Christ extended to them. And the real danger is that we'll miss the gospel because it's so simple. Turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, the Jews a stumbling block, the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul reminds us once again that we don't get to God because of our great intellect. How amazing is it that God chose to reveal, not to those of the highest intellect, not to those with a million initials after their name, not to the scribes and the Pharisees and the vaunted educated, but to lowly shepherds, reminding us that the gospel message is available to the simple, to folks like you and I. Beloved, no human merit is allowed at the foot of the cross where the baby of Bethlehem died. He did it all. And only those who are simple enough to accept his gift will receive the salvation of God. I think in the second place God chose shepherds as the first to receive the good news is because the gospel involved the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. We don't know the exact date of Jesus' birth, but a December date is reasonable. It's probable that the very sheep these men were tending in the fields that night were being prepared for slaughter in the, for the Passover in Jerusalem in the coming months. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death and, it, and uh, eternal separation from God. And a holy God cannot accept sinners in his presence unless their sin has been paid for. And if he did, he would, be, he would not be just, would he? In his love for us, God sent his son, born sinless, through the miracle of the virgin birth, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And just as when the Jews were delivered from Egypt and were spared from the angel of death, if they had the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorposts, so every person who applies the blood of Christ, the lamb of God, to his life will be saved from God's judgment. So we've seen so far that God revealed his good news to the shepherds because the gospel is for the simple, not the sophisticated. 
And secondly, the gospel involved the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. But thirdly, God revealed his good news to the shepherds because the gospel provides us with a good shepherd who calls us to shepherd others. You know, God always has a place in his heart for shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. King David was called from tending sheep to shepherd God's people. And as such, David was a type of his promised descendant who would reign upon his throne, who said of himself, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And as the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus will care for you as no other can. He watches over you more carefully than any earthly shepherd could ever watch his sheep. He knows your deepest needs. He will protect you from wolves and thieves who will destroy your soul. Of course, since the Good Shepherd has called you to himself, he also wants you to shepherd others. You may not be called to be a pastor of the church, but like the shepherds of Bethlehem, the ordinary people God calls to the Savior are sent back to the shepherd to shepherd the sheep. He may be calling you to shepherd in a Sunday school class or a group of boys and girls in youth group or Wednesday night ministry. It may be someone in your own family that God wants you to shepherd or a new Christian God has recently brought into the church. And as you grow to be more like the good shepherd, you will become a good shepherd over part of his flock. So we've seen, number one, that the Christmas gospel is for simple people. We know this because God chose to reveal his Christmas gospel to simple shepherds. Why shepherds? They were simple, not sophisticated. The gospel involved the sacrifice of a lamb, and the good shepherd causes to shepherd others. Secondly, the Christmas gospel is simple in content. How simple and yet how incredible is God's means of salvation? Who would have thought that the Messiah would be born as a baby and in such humble circumstances as that? I would have thought God would have sent his Savior as a full-grown man, a mighty warrior riding on a white steed. Or if he was to be born in a baby, I would have looked for it to be in a palace, expecting the infant to be wrapped in fine purple, lying in ivory and gold cradle, attended by servants. Many would have stumbled over the angel's directions in verse 12 in Luke chapter 2. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger, or a feeding trough. It smelled like any other barn. Contrast Contrary to many artists' conception, there was no halo over the baby's head. Contrary to the children's Christmas carol, the baby did cry. There were no photographers from the Jerusalem Post, no TV news crews, no dignitaries from the temple, just a plainly dressed carpenter and his young wife from the hick town of Nazareth. Wasn't quite the way you would expect God to launch his Messiah into this world. Who was this baby whom the shepherds found in such a common setting? Well, verse 11 tells us, For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That actually was prophesied about 700 years before that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The baby fulfilled the prophecy and a whole lot more. He was the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one. He was fully human, was clear to all who saw him. And his mother had obviously just given birth. 
But the angel said that the human baby was also a savior, who is Christ the Lord. Notice the titles here. Savior, he will save people from their sins. A savior, not a judge, one who would deliver his people, not destroy them. Christ, the anointed one, to rule as a king, fulfilling God's promise to David. And lastly, Lord. That speaks of his divine nature, of the one who was born. He is our healing one. He is our forgiving one. He is our saving one. This baby in the manger of Bethlehem is none other than the Lord God in human flesh. Nothing could be more simple and yet so incredibly profound. God brings salvation to Adam's falling race by taking human flesh to himself, yet without sin. And then as our substitute, he bore our sin to satisfy the righteous justice of God so that he may be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How simple is that? Jesus died for your sins. If you believe that he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, if you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. Even a child understands that. And yet the gospel and God's word is so deep that even the greatest theologians spend a lifetime and never plumb the depths of the richness of God's word. How simple and yet how profound. So the, so the Christmas gospel <coughs> excuse me, is for simple people. Number two, the Christmas gospel is simple in content. Finally, let's look at number three. The Christmas gospel is simple in its obligations. Let's go back to our text and pick it up in verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. <coughs> Excuse me. So they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. How should we respond to this Christmas gospel message? Well, we should respond just like these shepherds did right here. They believe the word of God through the angel as shown by their leaving the flocks and going to Bethlehem. They told others what they had seen. And then they went back to their sheep glorifying and praising God. And likewise, our first obligation to the Christmas gospel is that we must believe in the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the shepherds could have heard that angel's proclamation and said, Oh, isn't that interesting? What do you suppose that all means? And they could have had a stimulating theological discussion around the fire that night. They could have sent a delegation of rabbis into Jerusalem to get their interpretation of things. Or they could have said, We've always believed these truths. After all, we're Jewish, you know. And every good Jew believes that the Savior will come from the city of David. Thanks again for telling us. What I'm getting at is that the true belief is more than just agreeing with it intellectually. 
true belief always results in an obedient response. The shepherds heard the angel. They left their flocks. They went straight to Bethlehem to see which the Lord had made known to them. And their lives were never the same for it. When God reveals Christ to your soul, you must take him at his word. You must personally believe the revelation which God has given concerning his son. And if you truly believed in God's son, you won't be going on about life just as you were before. There will be changes in the way you live. No one is saved by God's works, but saving faith always results in good works. What are those good works? <coughs> well, there are many here. Let's look at the, the shepherds here. Show us at least two types of works. Verse 17 again, notice there. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. What had they seen? Verse 16. Uh, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as they lay in the manger. Remember, they saw with eyes of faith. When you see God's Son with eyes of faith, you cannot be silent. It was not a silent night once the shepherds visited the manger. They told others what they saw. The shepherds weren't the only, only the first to hear, but the first to tell. Maybe they were told to go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. Or go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Acts 4.20. You remember? Do you remember what the disciples said? We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. If they had stopped to think about it, the shepherds could have come up with lots of reasons to keep quiet. Remember, shepherds were, weren't even trusted as witnesses. Nobody would believe them. And it sounds kind of crazy, right? Okay, so let me get this straight. You guys were out on the field by the hillside and a bunch of angels came up and started talking to you. And the baby that belongs to this, boor, this poor couple who had gave birth in a stable is actually God's Messiah, right? Right. You know, not everybody's going to respond positively to the gospel. But if we've believed in God's revelation concerning his son, how can we be silent? This one is the Savior. He is God's simple solution for every need of every human heart. And if we really believe that, we have to make it known. Secondly, having believed, we will glorify God in the place he has called us. Look at verse 20 again. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Notice what it does not say. It doesn't say all the shepherds went back and signed a book contract to tell all they had heard and seen. They appeared on TV. They began a ministry called Shepherd's Vision. They started traveling. They became famous. No, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Went back where? They went back to that lonely hillside tending the sheep. That's where they went back to. What a letdown. One minute, the heavens are full with angels singing, and the next is like any other boring night on the hillside there, far away from the population, where it's just you and the lambs and an occasional wolf. What must it have been like to go back to work after that? But don't miss it. That's where God met them, was at their work. 
keeping watch over their flock at night. They didn't set up tours to the shrine in Bethlehem. They didn't sign on as public relations men for the Messiah ministries. They didn't put on seminars on how to have a vision of angels. They went back to the place God had called them. But now their wives, their lives were marked by praise. Thirty long years went by from that night. Think about that for a second. Thirty years went by before this child of Bethlehem even began to preach. But then the younger shepherds from that night were probably in their middle ages. Why didn't God move faster? Why didn't he use these men to get some evangelism going for Jesus while he was still a boy so that things were ready to go when Jesus was ready to preach? See, we Americans... We often buy into a version of Christianity that's not much like the simple Christianity of the Bible. We seem to have a need for the spectacular and the big. People rush to miracle services. They listen to some guy's supposed trip to heaven or hell. They idolize famous people who happen to be Christians. They feed on the latest seminars and popular cultural fads. Maybe we ought to just get back to the simple Christmas gospel message simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, as Paul calls it in 2 Corinthians 11. Maybe we need to see that God is the God of the normal, not just the spectacular. He calls us to be Christians who glorify him as we tend our sheep or swing our hammer or keep our house. And God calls us to live in a real world as his people, glorifying and praising him as his gift of a savior. It's not always spectacular, is it, being a Christian? But have you ever thought that you're exactly where God wants you, doing exactly what God wants you to do in the place where God has placed you for his will and his glory? There's a poem that says, He was a humble workman with the the tools with which he wrought, and he built a common stable, or so it was, he thought. And then he fashioned there a manger where the cattle would be fed, never thinking that the Savior would pillow there his head. He had only built a stable with a manger in the stall, yet it cradled there the Christ child who is King and Lord of all. So although our task be humble, let us work each day with care, for we may not know God's purpose or why he even places us there. At a recent church program, the kids were putting on a Christmas play, which we will have our kids. Uh, will be doing some wonderful things next week for us here. They've been, they've been practicing very hard, very diligently. At this particular church program, the kids were putting on a Christmas play. And the show, to show the radiance of the newborn Savior, there was a light bulb that was hidden in the manger. And all the stage lights were to be turned off so that only the brightness of the manger could be seen. But the boy who controlled the lights got confused and turned off all the sanctuary lights. It was a tense moment in pitch black. It's pitch black there. Tense, very, very tense moment. And all of a sudden, one of the shepherds said in a loud stage of whisper, Hey, you switched off Jesus. I wonder if you could have accidentally switched off the simplicity of Jesus. Are you like the shepherds who heard and believed and then preached the Christmas gospel?
or have you missed the simplicity of the Christmas gospel? You know, in December 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers were successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. <coughs> and thrilled, they telegraphed their message to their sister, Catherine. We have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. And Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. And he glanced at it and said, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He totally missed the big news that man had flown for the first time. Don't miss the big news. Whatever problems you're facing, Jesus is God's simple solution. The Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he was born so that you could be born again. Will you receive him as God's gift for you this Christmas? I promise you, it's the greatest gift you will ever, ever receive. And if you're already a believer, will you be like the shepherds and tell others? And will you glorify God in whatever situation he has placed you in? Will you realize that where you are at is exactly where God wants you to be? The gospel is a simple message for simple people like you and I. It's simple in content so that even a child can understand, but even the greatest theologians can never plumb the depths. And it's simple in its obligations. Hear, believe, and tell others. That's the simple Christmas gospel message. So as you are running around in a hurried state, trying to get all of our presents trying to get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in all of the merchandising of Christmas, all of the parties of Christmas, all of the food at Christmas. Let's not forget the simple Christmas gospel message that the Lord God himself put on human flesh and came as a child to save men from their sins. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the simple truth of your message. Lord, at times like this, in the midst of a busyness of life, in times like this, Lord, where we could get so confused about what Christmas is all about, let us never forget the truth of the Christmas gospel. What a wonderful truth that is. So simple, Lord, for simple people, not just, not just sophisticated people. Simple in content, with simple obligations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you made it so simple that even someone like me could understand your truth and be saved by your wonderful grace. Father, bless our time together. Finish this message in the hearts and minds of all who are here today. In Christ's name we pray.